Wen and I want to express our gratitude for every one of our listeners. Thank you for being a part of this podcast and sharing this space with us each week. We are now offering an opportunity to work with Wen or myself individually in a deeper look towards what's true about life and who you really are. If you'd like to know more, email me or Wen for more details. In a three-day dive under the noise, anything is possible. Let's find out. Now onto the podcast. Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynn Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to this week's Under the Noise with me, Wynn Morgan, and my fabulous co-host, Kate Roberts. Hello, Kate. Hey, Wynn. How are you doing? I'm good. Cool. Hey, just for, um, for, for you listening, this is not the usual day and time that Kate and I record, and I'm a little bit discombobulated here with it being a different day of the week at a different time. It was just like, when, when did we agree this? And it's like, oh, just three days ago. But anyway, so welcome. Not that you need to know anything about that, but I'm just saying I was a little bit discombobulated five minutes ago and here we are. Welcome to this week's Under the Noise. And this is um, a, a request from another listener um, that I got on um, a message a few days ago, in fact, so thanks again for this. And it was somebody who works um, with a group, and I'm not going to go into more detail than that in, in case um, this comes out who it is, not that I think it really matters, but just in case. Um, and they are, they've been trained by um, my friend in conflict and communication as a group. What my friend noticed is that a number of the people in the group are far more uh, concerned about being right and the other person being wrong than they are about having a good working relationship. And when I read that, I went, oh, that would be a great one to talk about for you and I. I know we, you know, we mentioned and lined this up before we hit record today. But I wondered what your thoughts were on that. You know, when I love this topic, I love this topic because I'm sure hundreds of times I've found myself in the same situation hmm. where I needed to be right to the detriment of whoever I was talking to whether it's um parenting teaching in a relationship friendship <laughs> ran random stranger that i you know that's behind the cash register you know like hundreds of times that seemed important i had put meaning so much meaning on that so i love this topic because 
it still happens to me. Mm. It's not like I've seen so far into that, that I never find myself in that space. Although I will say the thought that I have around it feels less like needing to be right than discomfort with being wrong. Mm-hmm. And that to me is it for me is a huge distinction because I've created a lot of stories around being wrong a lot more than being right. And being wrong looks like not being perfect. And so that's like how I have habitual thinking around needing to be perfect or seeming to be perfect or that I have all my my shit together, basically. I, I have tons of stories around that. And I feel really insecure if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Like somehow my security is attached to not being wrong. And for me, at times that has looked so real that it didn't matter if it affected the relationship with the person. Because that was so solid and so real for me. What about for you? Well, I hadn't noticed that that would be equally as powerful, either the desire to be right or the desire to avoid being wrong. But of course, of course, that's the, you know, the other side of the same coin. You know, what came up in listening with you when I just did a memory of me as a kid, I loved arguing. I loved arguing. My, me and my brother would constantly argue. And it was as if we'd find things to argue about. And me and my father took pleasure in arguing. I think we'd probably do it three or four times a night. No, three or four nights a week, right? I would say, but we'd find it kind of entertaining, but we'd also, it would sometimes cross a line into being not just a debate, it would get mean. Well, I would get mean. I don't think he did. I think he just saw it as this is interesting to, you know, to having a debate about the meaning of life with an eight-year-old, right? Because that's the kind of thing that we would do. And then I don't know when that stopped. Well into my late teens, probably. But it's interesting that I never knew at the time that my desire to be right was at the detriment of the relationship and the feeling in the relationship. I never knew that. I mean, sometimes I'd back down because I'd see the other person being upset. But I had such a fixation about being right. And now I can still do a lot less. It's it's a lot less... um, fixed than it used to but you know when it comes to certain things like quizzes and things like that there's um there's a quiz on most of the planes on my um, favorite airline and if i go in on a long haul 
and they have that quiz game on it, my ambition by the time we land is that I've had the highest score ever in that plane's history in the trivia trivia game. And it's kind of rare that I don't, right? And the reason is, is because most people don't bother playing the game, right? Most people <laughs> reading or watching something that they downloaded, listening to stuff, sleeping, or watching the other variety of entertainment options that there are on a modern flight these days. Not me. No, I get my competitiveness comes out into I need to be that have the highest score in the trivia game in this plane's history. And while that doesn't harm anyone, right, that's kind of like innocent and I find it fun. And sometimes, you know, if I'm on a 10 hour flight, I might spend four hours on that thing. It's kind of cool. But that still plays out in some ways in my real life relationships with humans, not with an inanimate computer or a plane whether that competitiveness comes out. And I don't think there's anything wrong in it, but when I understand what it's for and what it's not for, when it is good and when it's fun and when it's at the detriment of something I do not want to negotiate with, such as the relationships with people that matter to me, then I'm out of whack, I'm out of whack. You know, sometimes as a human, I get so caught up in that desire to be right that I forget the bigger picture. The big picture just becomes invisible. That the only thing that really matters here is this person in front of me in having a, a meaningful, fun time with them, not just for now, but in the future too. And there's something that before we started recording today, that I mentioned yet some other places where it where it has cropped up is um, in a coach client relationship. I was saying I was listening to I listened to a lot of recordings of coaches with their clients. So then me and the coach we get together and we review them to see how they become more impactful over time. So I probably do about ten hours of that a week, I'd say. And I enjoy it. But it's amazing to me how often I hear coach and client and the coach is arguing with what the client thinks. Sometimes in a very subtle way, but effectively they're telling them that they're wrong. They do that. Because arguing is a different feeling and the feeling matters more than I ever gave it credit for. Mm -hmm. You know, though, it's a perfect example of how real, how real our thoughts can be. So if you take me, for example, and my, I have beliefs or thoughts around being wrong and that somehow my security is attached to that, not being wrong, not being seen as wrong. And that feels so real and so alive that I miss that it's hurting a relationship completely. I don't see that that's more important is being in a relationship where somebody feels heard, somebody feels that you respect them and their opinion and the way they see things. 
that they're allowed to, to not agree. <laughs> like I miss it completely because I'm so busy in my insecure thinking that I miss that that's important. But it can feel so real. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. As a teacher in the school that I worked in and with the types of teenagers that I worked with, one of the most important things to them, and I knew this from the very beginning, was how they look to other people. So if you try to insult them or disrespect them in front of other people, or make them wrong in front of other people, or silly, or not as intelligent, or any of those things in front of other people, there's this kind of wall that comes down, and now they have to respond. There's no backing down from that. They cannot back down from that if you disrespect them in any way. This is number one, as real as it gets for them. They will do things that are completely outside their normal behavior because you have just put them, like in their mind, you put them in that spot by doing that. And that is very real to them. And so just as a teacher, I would never do this ever in front of a classroom because there's no backing down. They'll go all the way to the ends of the earth because you did that, right? And so... It was a lesson that I had to learn as a teacher. I always took care of it outside in the hall. That is a very different conversation out in the hall because now you've taken that out of the equation and now they can just talk to you. But it's very solid to the point where they would get themselves suspended. They would absolutely fight in front of everybody else. They would, to their own detriment, that's how real it was. Mm -hmm. There was something so real and so strong about that concept for them that they could not see beyond it, to consequences beyond it. No different from me. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're all able to go there in the way that you describe the people in school. I mean, being, I don't know, challenged and embarrassed in front of our peers by somebody. Kind of horrible, right? Well, and some people can quietly seethe. <laughs> yeah. But teenagers weren't in that category. In yeah. my but he but even if, if the best of it might be quietly seethed, but that relationship's done. It's true. That'll take a lot of rebuilding. So that relationship, the respect, the rapport, the warmth that's there, their, each person's ability to listen to the other. Yeah, that's uh, it's repairable, but that takes effort and time. So, so if that's the best, still in great. I remember one of the things I, I learned really quickly and delivering training courses to groups was always make them feel good about themselves. Even if the, even if, right, they're coming up with wild, weird ideas that would make no sense is give them an out to save face. 
Mm. And it matters that they know that is an option because then all of a sudden the air out of the tension, the, the, yeah, if there's a balloon of tension, the air comes out of it. Yeah. And um, they, they're grateful for it. I remember the number of times it's only ha had to happen to me once in my entire like 25 year career of delivering training where I've had to have a word with somebody offline where it got to that extent. Only once. I guess that's the fortune of being with them. Um, people who have been around the block a few more times than teens. Me and, you know, delivering training to people typically over the age of 23 compared to 13, because I was an awful lot more hot-headed at 13 than 23. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's something else that just cropped in my, my mind as well. And it, it's, it's um, I had a review call with um, a company I can't remember now if it was last night or the night before, because it started at midnight my time. So my days are a little bit in flux in the head right now. Um, and it was midnight because there were different parts of the world that needed to be there and the best time for like parts of Asia and the West Coast of US and Canada was midnight UK time. And we had the call for 90 minutes. And one of the things that one of the participants said, and I did the training with them back in June, was the whole notion of not getting into an argument with a with a potential customer stroke client of theirs. Because they, they noticed that they were doing it, and I'd forgotten that until right now. And, and what they then noticed was I could just listen without judging to what this other person was saying. And when I listen better, I understand them more, and when I understand them more, there's potential that what we do as a business and the company that I represent, we might have got answers for those. And it's amazing, just that one little simple thing, this person, right? Um, and I won't say any more than that because I've got a very strict and non-disclosure agreement with that company. But that person effectively delivered that one person just over half a million in profit US since June. And they hadn't done anything in the first six months of the year. No new business. And one little thing about I could just listen and see it as information and not argue and not being in my head about who's right and who's wrong. Yeah, what was it? 1.2 million revenue, which is just over half a million in profit. Okay, now, it's, this is an interesting company, right, about what they do. So the numbers might seem big or they might seem small, depending on your own frame of reference to you listening. But the point's the same. It works everywhere. Familial, romantic relationships, business relationships, teacher-student, coach-client, supplier-customer, neighbor supermarket worker yeah looks everywhere and that doesn't mean getting walked over that doesn't mean backing down and just like you know letting people just walking all over us it doesn't mean that at all because that that's the opposite but the same giving in or uh would be acquiescing I think's the word anyway 
I've said a lot. <laughs> I want to know what came up for you in that time or wherever else was on your mind. So you talked about your your family in a way that it was pretty common to argue, right? Well, well, it was common when I was there. I don't right. think I don't think it happened as much when I wasn't there. <laughs> that says a lot, Wendy. So I ain't blaming anyone else. <laughs> so I guess the thing that showed up for me was a question for you. What would it mean if you were wrong? Like, what does that mean to you? Like, what does that represent in your mind? Or translate now or then? Both. Well, now, now, I'm pretty sure I've said it to you and on here a few times where I love being wrong. I love being wrong. Because what I think I'm right about isn't typically good news about me and humanity in the future, right? Because <laughs> my opinion of myself is not particularly high when I get into it. And when I'm wrong about that, it's just like, oh, wow. And it's funny because what I learn I'm wrong about is always a relief these days because I've been hanging on to ideas that have not served me. So today being wrong, I, I, I can't remember the last time it hasn't been a relief. Now, I don't mean being wrong about, you know, what's the capital of Liechtenstein, right? Because that's one of the things that I would always choose, geography being the specialist subject on that airline quiz thing, right? I don't mean that, but being wrong about how I work, how people work, life itself. I love being wrong because what reveals itself tends to be a deeper truth that is far more meaningful spiritual as opposed to cognitive the deeper me as opposed to the egoic me that's what tends to reveal itself when i'm wrong these days so i love it even in relationships with people and they're like when you messed up even like that well i wanna i wanna figure out if I did what I did, mm. and if it was just their opinion, well, that would still be worthwhile for me to understand. Because mm. that would be an opinion one as opposed to a factual one, right? It's not the capital of Liechtenstein. By the way, in case you're wondering, it's called Vaduz. I've been <laughs> there, so that's where I remember. V-A-D-U-Z, all right? Um, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you let us all know. Just in case anyone's thinking, I better look that up now because it's going to really worry me. Um, and don't Google it just to prove me wrong or right, okay? Because like it was in 1986 when I went. Because all there's going to be towards did I mess up or did I not mess up is opinion. Hmm. So what about when you were young? No, opinions were opinions were made of diamond. They were that hard. They were the hardest thing on planet earth opinions were truth to me then i didn't know there was such a thing as an opinion well one kind of can i go on a quick tangent for a sec <laughs> sure <laughs> right. one thing right that 
I've watched on um, the BBC here in the UK have this service called the iPlayer, where they have their um, all their past stuff is available to browse online on the BBC. And one thing that I, I've really enjoyed watching over the last few years now and again, instead of like the usual kind of movies that have just become quite formulaic in my mind, is I will watch for three hours the highlights of a general election night in 1955 and 1950, and 1960, and 1961, and 1966. So all of these general elections to decide who's going to be prime minister, who's going to be um, the uh, the party in power here in the UK. And what's amazing to me in looking back to these ones in 1950, 55, and well into the 60s, in fact, is that the mutual respect that there was but let's say you and I were in the competing parties and, and you won by 100 votes and I was really disappointed. I'd be there going, I'm wishing you the best. It's really rare that that happens these days. It's become so adversarial. And I think that's a horrible place to, to get to. Well, really, I think that's bad news. I think we work better as a species, as a society, when we're working together, even with our differences, as opposed to I'm right, you're wrong. Now, the 10, 12, 14 year old me would have thought I'd be nuts saying that now. Going back to your question, what would I have thought about that? I didn't think there was such a thing as opinion. I thought it was right, wrong. And I would hold to my position because I thought that that was the right thing to do. Now, I might still think that that's right, but I know that that's my opinion. That's, you know, the word that we've used a lot and the word that you mentioned earlier on, that's my thought. My thinking causes my opinion. And my opinion can look like it's real and that's just thought appearing real to a human being. Nothing more. And unfortunately, because of how one aspect of how thought can look real, it causes wars and conflicts. It causes me versus you as opposed to together. And that can be in, you know, two people in a kitchen. Or it can be two countries over a wall. Two religions. Two ethnic groups. It doesn't have to be that way. Love that one. I don't really know how deeply I've seen around that. The idea of opinion, you know, separate realities. Like I really, sometimes it looks really real that when somebody is saying I'm wrong and accusing me or calling me out or something like that it feels personal and it feels like it is saying something about me yeah and now i'm in my personal thinking now where i've taken it personally and i'm not listening anymore it doesn't feel like their opinion it feels like this is a personal attack right it doesn't feel like and caring and listening anymore. 
I think I still have a lot to see and a lot better listening to do. Me too. Thanks, Wen. Thank you. You've been listening to Under the Noise. I'm here with Wen Morgan. I'm Kate Roberts. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions for topics, or any interest in being on the show, uh, please reach out to us. Our uh, details follow the podcast wherever you're listening or watching. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and Kate at kateRobertsCoaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.